recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. You have tuned in to... I, Our third episode into the night of the season. Exactly. Yes, it is. And we have stopped at 1992 for a double review of Unforgiven and Universal Soldier. Yeah, um, we had to obviously change because I could not source that absolute classic... Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Yes, I. It's. You know the funny thing is about like, oh, bad, I couldn't fucking source it anywhere, mm-hmm. unless I would have to buy it. But like, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I didn't want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like I was in like, CS and stuff like a few weeks ago, just maybe hoping to find it. Thought, give me a bit of pound, I'll just buy it. Exactly, for <clears> throwing <throat> a couple nah, of quid. Nah, it? couldn't find it fucking anywhere. Yeah, but yeah, that's all I've seen when I've been on like, Amazon and all that the day. And like the last like week, and it's just like, oh, buy this, buy that, and I'm like, where were you last week? <laughs> so yes, that has been uh, replaced with Universal Soldier, Jean Claude Van Damme, yep. Dolph Lundgren, Madness ensues. Indeed, it does. So uh, before we jump into our film reviews, let's warm up with, I guess, some trailer talk. Yeah. Now. You did mention Creed 2 briefly to me. I have not watched that trailer yet. Um, I, I I tend to save all my trailers up and watch yeah, them you watch on that. YouTube. Yeah. So, um, did you watch the first one? The first Creed? Yes. Aye. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think it basically picks up for where this one left, like left off. Mm-hmm. After his defeat to... I can't remember. That British boy. Yeah, I can't remember who, who the actual character was in the film. Yeah. But... It's basically, it doesn't show you who he's fighting or anything apart from, um, it shows you the guy coming around, but it's like his shadow, and then when the light comes on, it's just him with like a red and yellow coat, it says Drago. Okay, So okay. we're obviously getting the revenge yes. of Apollo Aye. Creed, but obviously, and like I was saying, I was intrigued, I went on IMDb and I read the full cast list, and I was gleefully fucking happy <laughs> To see that Dolph is there as Big Daddy Drago. Oh, Christ. Now, the thing is, right, like, Rocky Four was made about, what, 30 odd years ago? Yeah. Now, he has to be the same, he's, he's going to have to be the same fucking almost greyish weathered state as what Rocky Balboa is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming his son's probably going to be fairly oldish as well, maybe early 30s. Aye, aye. And stuff. But, aye, this comes out towards the end of the year and I'm quite looking forward to it. Aye. Because um, that's it. Like, was, it, was there any shots of Stallone in the trailer? Aye, there was a couple. It was basically him talking about how uh, <clears throat> they had the whole dispute where, like, can Adonis Creed beat this young, uh, the, the, the young Drago, basically. Aye, aye. And he just kind of looks at him. And then it's like, oh, you devilish bastard. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it, because, I mean, it's, it's alright. It's, it's, not, it's not a genre that's over, like, it's being played out too much. Yeah. And it, it, it was such a wise decision to, rather than having 
fucking Stallone step in the ring again. Like this, it yeah. cannot go on for much longer. Nah. At least now we've opened yeah. it to like the next generation, and they made it in a way that made sense. That wasn't really fucking over the top, and it yeah. was like a young enough, young enough actor to carry it for two, possibly three films. Yeah. I don't think they need to continue to prove it. Yeah. I wonder if we get like a wee bit of head to head with old Drago and Rocky Balboa. Oh, there'll be like a press conference where they all kind of get there and they look. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we get like the same 80s style training montage that we got. Oh, in it's the, just Michael B. F- Jordan running through fucking, was it like snowy Russia with a fucking big beard and yeah, aye. working out in a fucking barnyard. Yeah, him carrying just a big massive bucket of fucking Popeyes. <laughs> and what was it, the fucking... Fucking Popeyes. He's <laughs> 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 son of a bitch. Um outrunning federal agents with a bucket of chicken that is <laughs> no Michael that is not not that's <laughs> not in, not throwing in, gravy at the windscreen not in 2018 no <laughs> um I reckon what they're going to do but I mean I'm I'm kind of just waiting for Rocky to die yeah like I, I still remember he's needed to get like the Mickey like, I still remember like fucking like being madfully in love with the fourth thing aye and I'd never seen the first one, and the first one was on like TV one when I was younger. And I remember like my uncle Billy was saying me, yeah, Rocky dies in this one, and I'm like waiting for it. And then the film, and like, why is it all fucking dead? Aye, is this an after credits thing? <laughs> Aye. But yeah, I wonder if maybe he just decides to wither away like Mickey. Aye, exactly. Like some cunt knocks him over, knocks him on his ass, and he's like, oh, he can I fucking get back up? Yeah. And that gives him the motivation to not glumps at that Lordy's son. Yeah. Uh, what other trailers came out this week? Um, um, although we did get finally the fucking Halloween trailer. Aye, yeah, that's it. Um, what was your opinion of it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm kind of glad they're keeping it like as brutal as it probably could be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am hoping that it does completely fucking scared the shit out of me. Aye. The only criticism I did have with the trailer is I think they showed too much Myers in it. Yeah. I would have been a bit more intrigued if it didn't show him as much. Maybe just see Aye. that end, like the end jump scare bit. Aye. Like that, that alone probably would have been enough. Yeah. To garner the interest in it. Like have everything else but no actually show Aye. him. Because now when you see that, obviously going to be waiting for it. Yeah, and obviously as what you've seen the last like couple of weeks now, it's been fucking like Photos are getting released left, right, and centre behind the scenes and aye, aye. other like, floodgates um, are open. Yeah, so I'm just kind of hoping that that it's not going to be like overly spoiled. Yeah, for aye. us come October. That's it. And I think you told me you weren't going to look at any other trailers. Yeah, that's nah, like, that one. You've got your taste of it, and now yeah. you could just wait till October. Yeah, and I mean, four months away. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you see, like, on Twitter and all that, fucking, like, John Carpenter's, like, basically confirmed that he's doing the score because he put up a tweet the other day, like, a cat sitting, and it's like, like, I've got, like, a guest here while I'm trying to Aye. compile the score for the film and that, so mm-hmm. hopefully we do get the film that we're learning. It, it does, it, it, it seems to be going along a way that is, like, right, they've, they've got Carpenter on board, they've got 
They've got Nick Castle, like yeah. it looks like they're getting all the right pieces for it. So yeah. if they kind of get it right this time, there's no going to be a chance of getting it right again yeah. as good as that. Yeah. So because I was like I've like, I follow a, a group of guys like that. Eh? Like that we watched a movie and that and like yeah. some of their stuff is fucking like top class. Like Aye. that end. I seen that where it was being <laughs> chapped in the door. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, like they talk about how like as a guy as well, like does like stuff for like formula like um, Dave McRae or somebody's in this and he was talking about like the potential yeah, like fucking sequels and that but obviously it would depend on the outcome of the film. What money it makes and stuff uh, and how uh, well it's received and because you didn't want to go back down the route of having basically Halloween whatever the shitty one was with Buster Rhymes and all that. Oh aye, but um, you didn't really want to go down that route again. You mm-hmm. want to try and keep it as like as fresh as it can be. So aye, so um, I'm looking forward to that one in October. I quite enjoyed some of the. See, I, I like the the idea behind it, and then the the trailer was rewriting some of the history aye. when they're talking about it being like a brother sister. Yeah, aye, they got rid of that arc, and like as well, I'm like what you were saying. I'm intrigued to see how he fucking. Like, what his purpose had been transported Aye. away, and you get the supercut version where it's like bus tipped over, people in the street. Obviously, he's out. Yeah, but and I mean, like, like that fucking whole scene where it's the overhead shot. Aye. Uh, the courtyard looks pretty. Kind of gave me a bit of like shining vibes. Aye, and like, who are these meddling British people that just come here to trigger Michael? Yeah, like, it's been forty years. Like he's mm. just been fine in captivity. Look, we found your mask. Does it make you angry? Do you want to break out and kill everyone? I know. And it was like, ah, just go and poke the fucking bees nest, why don't you? Yeah, exactly. Prick. <laughs> so, and the one moment I did like in the trailer that just like, oh, that's slightly unnerving, was the fucking teeth bit. Aye. Uh, like, where it was bat, was he battering his face off the door and well, spat out his teeth? Folk were. Um, I was watching um, one. Of, I, I watched a few of the guys that I watched, and like their like trailer reactions and stuff, and thought that like broke the trailer down. And if you pause the video, I didn't care if it's the person behind the door, but you see like so the British guy that's doing the interview with yeah. them. It's basically him being held, and his face is all like mashed up. Ah, right. So it's it, most likely his teeth. Probably, but yeah, it was pretty. That was pretty grim, like. Man, if if this was made in like the era where you got a scary movie to follow it six months later, it would have been the point of smashing, got the teeth, drops them over, then you just hear the lassie plop in the toilet. Going, <laughs> that would enough to scare the shit out of you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're picturing it, aren't you? Yeah, um, um, I'm. I'm quite looking forward to see uh, Will Patton. As a ah, sheriff, yeah. because mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what it is. But yeah, October, October will be here soon. So exactly, and I double checked as well. I think it's like a Friday it comes out, so I'll be making sure I'm off on the Friday night to go and see it. Aye. So Kino, if you're listening, fucking get it booked up. Aye, come on. It's October. It's Halloween. I know. Didn't Easy us, money. Then they make us go to Glenrothes. Aye, and it's, it's Bloom House. Use of, I know. If you if you booked truth or ah, dare, exactly. if you booked truth or dare, you'll fucking book this. So, can aye, get to the point. Then it be daft. 
Right. Let's talk about some films. Yeah. Hey, Adikin. Do you want to go first this time? Ah, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Go and refresh <laughs> me about Universal Soldier because I believe I have not seen it since I was a kid. Oh man. Now, this I'd... was like this was bringing back some proper <laughs> fucking nostalgia watching this other day, like. So yeah, Universal Soldier, uh, made in nineteen ninety two, directed by Roland Emmerich. Mm-hmm. He was the guy behind Independence Day. Aye. He he done Twenty Twelve as well, eh? Yes. Aye. He done a couple of other films. I think there were a couple of really bad ones. Hmm. Uh, I'll just pull up his. I go for bio it. Bio now. Um. I believe this was like his first big film. So he's got 28 directing credits. Um, God, Independence 3 is on that list. <laughs> um, he's done a couple of short ones in the 70s and the 80s. Nothing, nothing made. He's done a film in 1990 called Moon 44. Um, an unconventional corporate agent is given the task of shaping a group of violent criminals and technical wizards into a helicopter defence force assigned to protect a mining station on a remote moon. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, don't recognise Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. I think that was it, maybe. Let's double check. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so yeah, the cast for Universal Soldier is the muscles from Brussels. Jean Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. as Private Luke Devereaux. You've got a the Swedish Superman, <laughs> a Dolph Lundgren as Sergeant Andrew Scott, Ali Sheedy as Veronica Roberts, and Edo Ross as Colonel Perry. Ah. all right, Mike. I, go on, tell me the plot. Two Vietnam soldiers killed in action are reprogrammed as a part of a top secret government program. Basically, they're doing the government's work. Aye. Ah. Now, I'll be asking you a bunch of questions because we've said we've, we've seen yeah, these yeah, films yeah. before, but it's been a fucking age. Yeah. Um, so, the fact that they've been killed and brought back are their past lives then like do their families know these men are alive as universal soldiers now um or... I don't actually do know they cover because that? Nah, they don't well yeah no because obviously at the end, at, towards the end of the film they go back to Van Damme's parents aye and they kind of are like shocked to see him Mm-hmm. Obviously, because of the problem he's dead. dead. Ah. But then they kind of wonder, like, why he's so young looking. Aye. <laughs> Considering this is supposedly 20 years or something after they died. Right, right. But um, you didn't get anything else about the. You didn't get any of the backstory about um, Dolph Lundgren or anything, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a shame. Aye, because you, you've filled in the blanks for me again. Obviously, Dolph Lundgren's the villain. Yeah. Uh, was he a universal soldier that went rogue? Yeah, so um, uh, so the two of them were part of the same platoon in the Vietnam War and uh, Dolph Lundgren pretty much just went fucking batshit crazy. Aye. Started basically just going absolutely mad. 
and then the two of them end up killing each other at the start of the film. Right. And then it just transports you to like 20 years later of them, like as these fucking like universal, like unisols or whatever they call them. Aye. <clears throat> so, Mike, tell me, do you like the film? Yeah, I think it uh, holds up quite well, actually. Aye. Considering it's been out for 20 odd years, uh, um, like the action, the fight scenes are fucking pretty decent. Aye. Yeah. Some of the like chase scenes are actually pretty like pretty decent. Ah, uh, what's the running time on this? Uh, hour and forty. That's not too bad. Yeah, and uh, you do get some like over the top hamminess and uh, some bits like there are some bits that are pretty funny and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, good film nonetheless. Aye. So, um, does Van Damme get a love interest? I mean, um. The woman that's in with her like star, she's like a TV reporter. She's reporting their first, like the first thing you see them on the screen, they react to a, um, like a terrorist a hostage situation at the Hoover Dam. Right. And after doing that, she decides to investigate Mayor and she finds out where they're stationed about. And right. she um, <clears throat> uncovers, obviously, the whole big secret. And what's his name? Uh, longer and basically just remember starts to remember stuff. Same with Van Damme, he starts to remember aye, aye. like things about his like past life and all that. Yeah, and then they basically go after them. Right? Do do they show you like the the transformation, like from kill themselves to well? To nah, that was uh, like that the was, Robocop thing, where, like yeah. they're making off. Nah, that was um like one of my like my like, thumb like one of my like. Like the part of the film I didn't like was the fact that you never got any, you never seen any like backstory. Yeah, any backstory, whatever they're like, how they're being programmed. If they've came what they've done to successfully fucking do this, because I'm assuming that it wouldn't just like they they wouldn't get it right the first time. Exactly. They would have to obviously rinse and repeat. Aye, and that's uh, that's what sounds like happens in here. Like the fact that they start to remember their previous lives. Yeah. Because it's like, because of the, like, you get a, like, towards the end of the film, they find out, like, they go to a doctor's house, and they basically find out that because they're, like, they're dead, they've been kind of reprogrammed, mm-hmm. they've got to keep the cell cool because, like, the brain's, like, alive, and their right. body, like, their body, like, overheats, like, mad, like, this is why you... See Van Damme naked in this film quite a lot. <laughs> like there's I'm a, cooling off. Yeah, basically, I it's like the start of the film. Like we'll at the bit where he runs with the reporter last. He goes to like a a motel and like stands next to the aircon and starts like just unstrapping his fucking <laughs> uniform. And then next thing you see is like lying in a bath of ice. Aye. I, is there the the typical John Claude Van Damme sex scene? Does he does he manage to bed the reporter? Nope. No. Nope. nope. Uh, I guess so. That's it. It's a bit much. He's he's died. He's a dead soldier, been reprogrammed. I don't think yeah, it'd be like yeah, necrophilia. Yeah, I don't think it works because it's a bit where <laughs> they find out there's like a tracking device on them, and right. he finds out this and like he's like thigh, mm-hmm. so he like stabs into his leg, and he gets her to like feel about like uh. find feel the tracking device, and she like obviously like grabs his balls and I, he's like. Is that supposed to be there? <laughs> and they're like, aye, aye, of course it is. 
so did they come across as robotic then? Like, did, what's their personalities like? Yeah, well, obviously they're they've got like, the headsets on. They ah, yeah, respond the to the like the government, like getting them orders and stuff. Aye. And because like when they get like, they get these like like memory clearance injection things after every like mission. Okay. To like basically reprogram them sort of thing. Aye. So it's basically just to stop them from like having any memories leaking through. Aye, aye. Because he's obviously getting memories leaking through and all that. He does he kinda of come across as robotic. Aye. Whereas there's another guy, there's a big massive guy, he kinda of comes across as like the robotic one. Okay. Like, like his mannerisms and stuff. Aye, aye. Class, I would just I, it has it's been so fucking long since I've seen it. I would just for a second there come thinking on a scale where it'd be like Robocop where like the appearance is human but the rest it's it's yeah. just a fucking computer. I mean obviously they get shot like they do like bleed but then obviously it all kinda like heals up. Do they do they um I was gonna say do they react to the pain but Nah. Nah. Um going I was gonna say you tell me some of your highlights of the film. So, obviously, like, like early memories of me, like, I remember coming across this film, maybe I was, so, 92, I would have been about six, so, yeah, I must have been about six or seven, and I remember my dad and his pal, fucking, like, reading this film, and just, what, like, watching this in awe, it's just how fucking, how, like, how amazing this film was, like, Aye. every fight scene, like, every kick, yeah, and I, and I mean, I think this is probably the film that got me into like Van Damme and stuff. So aye, I started to watch like say, A Wall and Kickboxer and Bloodsport and all that. Because that's I think, okay, that's that's the nineties. So you would have had some eighties stuff before, but I think for us that could have been like the introduction to Jean Claude Van Damme. Because yeah, I do remember that being one of my earliest memories of JCVD. VD. Sorry, VD. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, like, there's, they've got, like, there's a couple of wee comedy moments, like, the scene where they're in a, they're in a diner, mm-hmm. and the lassie goes to make a phone call, and he just starts ordering everything off the fucking menu, and he's sitting, eating all this food, <laughs> and the waitress is like, like, how are you going to pay for this? And he's like, I reckon. And then he has the whole fucking diner, basically, going after him, and he's, like, sitting beating the shit at these guys like just he's like he's as I see my guys coming after him like a pool cue and he's bending down to pick up a fucking sandwich Aye. and he's like eating a sandwich and he's just throwing his high cats and he's like saying this with a bit of bread in his mouth like I just want to eat <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it's just it's uh, so fucking funny it's, just, it's played for comedic effect because eh? like he'll grab he like, grabs the guy and just fucking like throws him like head first at the table Aye. and like the guy's head bounces off a coat can it looks like it's made out of fucking solid steel fuck's sake but yeah it's like that whole scene's played for like being like a fed and it kind of worked really well because then like at the end of that scene he just picks up a, like a bowl of popcorn and he's just sitting sitting eating it and he's so happy because he's eating all this food like a baby again eh? Aye. fuck um is is there a person that could steal this film for you? Um, see, for me, I would probably say that uh, Dolph Lundgren steals it uh, okay. because he's he plays the role like so well. Because obviously, because Van Damme's remembering everything, and because he starts to become 
like who he was before. He then like understands what's happened. Mm-hmm. He then decides to like take he basically takes revenge on like, the government, like the army officials that like run the truck system that they're Aye. running on. And he takes all them out and he's basically that's him in charge. And yeah. he, he does it with just so much fucking like viciousness. Eh? And like he does look really now, like, really intimidating. Eh? Is this the film where one of my, the memories, the only thing I can remember about this fucking film is somebody collects a, a necklace of ears. Yeah, that's him. That's him. Is yeah. that before he got turned into Universal Soldier? No, he done that at the start of the film. You see him, he's sitting like in the bee camp bit in Vietnam. Ah, it might have been like a wee campfire. He's like making this wee necklace for years and stuff. Aye. But there's like, you get the cheap fucking 90s like puns, like um, after him taking control and all that, he's sitting in his wee chamber sitting in like the when the doctors comes there and like like calls him like Sergeant Scott turns around shows his necklace and he's like I'm all ears <laughs> and that and it's just I mean also it's always it's meant to be bad but it's just a bit funny and stuff aye 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 but then also because he's starting to remember everything he he still thinks he's in Vietnam aye whereas because what they were saying was that um, because they like the man in the way they were killed, like he was in Vietnam, he was like surrounded by like traitors and everything. Aye. Because he died with that memory, that's what he all he thinks. Whereas when Van Damme dies, <coughs> Van Damme just wants to like, go him. Yeah. Aye. So that's 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 all you hear him say for the minutes. I want to go home. Aye. I want to go home. Oh, is that food? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I want to go him. Aye. But um, yeah. And then like there's a fucking ah. Uh, absolute brilliant like chase scene where they're being caught by the police and they're in the back of a like just like a normal like police truck and then all oh, of a sudden both Lundgren yeah. and aye. no uh, uh, Van, Damme. Van Damme and the reporter, the reporter. Okay. and then all of a sudden the big fucking lorry just comes out of nowhere and aye. then starts like hurling grenades into the truck and all that and like right. the cinematography in that scene is actually really good because it's filmed it's meant to be like the Grand Canyon. Okay. And like obviously you get the whole sense of like danger because like the driver's been took out and all that, like the van's just moving about and Aye. it's gonna get the end like the end of the cliffs and like the shots and all that of them driving along this little like long canyon and that's actually pretty good. No. Aye. I could see this being the theme of when we do our joint reviews, like we're always gonna convince the other cunt to watch the films that we've no seen. Yeah. Like, I could see myself watching Universal Soldier the night. It's <laughs> uh, easy. It's an easy film. Aye, uh, aye. Like, and I mean, I, I think I've, I think it's still in my top five Van Damme films. Yeah. Yeah, I'm try- I still, I still can't decide on what my top one is. Can't decide whether it's um, Kickboxer or Awol. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm turned deaf. Sudden death, death, that's it. They didn't even think about the uh, rest. <laughs> um, Any final notes? Uh, I mean, how how does it end? So, it ends with, um, obviously, when they hear that whole chase scene, um, Vanda manages to get the better, and he shoots the the other, the third main, like, Unisol, who happens to be driving, and they end up driving off the cliff of the Grand Canyon. Aye. And then it cuts to Van Damme and the reporter finding his like his mum and dad's house. Aye. 
and also you can't. It's not going to end there. And then the two of them just have like a like a massive fight. Um, but it's obviously a typical Van Damme fight. He throws a couple punches. He then gets gets like done in a few times, Aye. and then decides to, yeah decides to get angry and all that. And um, I still remember like fucking I love that fight scene, and it ends with Lundgren impaled on like farm machinery. Aye, and then he ends up turning it on and it goes through like the mincer Fucking and then all you see like through all the blood is like the ears for the earring like uh-huh. the, the necklace of flying it and uh, and is yeah. it spectacularly gory is it nah well you it, do get a couple of, like there's a a scene where they're at a wee tiny gas station and they set up a trap where the place blows up and you see like the you know it's all their own fire and all Aye. that and there's another scene where, right, was when I was on about like after after like like after acting like robotic. Yeah. There's a scene where one of the doctors decides to get the German, uh, Unisol to hold a grenade and then drop it after thirty seconds, obviously Aye. blow the cell up. That's him like carrying the two dead, so like I say, one grenade carrying the two dead soldiers in a supermarket. Aye. And just like puts them in the freezer, <laughs> and then all you see is like the the one that's like almost dead, basically come back alive and rips out a big massive like hunky meat out of a butcher fridge and starts chewing it. <laughs> and I mean like it's no overly gory, like it's aye aye, a couple of fucking squeamish bits, but that's about it. Ah, oh. ah, I'm gonna have to fucking check that out aye. tonight. I think that's. It's been too long. I can't uh, remember half of that. Exactly. Minutes. So, are you want to go on to? Yeah, I've got budget box office and cool. trivia stuff. Could only get domestic box right. office. Couldn't get anything else. Uh, but I take a wee stab at what the budget was for it. Ah, uh, let's say fifty. Hmm. That's probably a bit high. Uh, Twenty-three million. Okay, definitely high. Uh, do you reckon it made its budget back? Fuck. Um, no, nah, I'm going to say 20. Uh, it made 36 domestically. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, also don't I was going to say, I couldn't even think of it being a runaway success, but. Yeah. It I didn't think it. I don't think least. it done well with the cracks, but you know. Cracks right. nowadays. You know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people came to compare it to Robocop. Aye, yeah. aye. It was like, you know, like that's already been done. Aye, well, that's it. It kind of fell in that, that genre of fucking, I guess, like robot assassins. Yeah. Like, you've got your Terminator, you've got Robocop, and like, they're the two big ones. Then Universal Soldier, fucking like army vets brought back for the dead, and. Yeah. Aye. Um, trivia, I've got four bits of trivia here. Um, the Vietnam scenes were filmed at Kingsman, Arizona Golf Course, <laughs> with just obviously fucking set pieces and stuff. Aye. Just um, imagine them fucking doing their scenes and somebody comes to play through. Like a wee ball just bounces yeah, on the set. Um, although the main unisols are class, are actually depicted as like, American soldiers. Yeah. They're obviously Swedish, Belgian and German, the main three. Aye. Um... And the Australian cinema version ended with Dolph 
just being impaled on the farm machinery. Right, didn't no, they finish with him being minced because apparently they, whoever done the, the ratings over in Australia, decided much. decided to give it like an M rating, which is like equivalent to a PG thirteen. All right. Hmm. So, um, and then probably the most interesting fucking bit of trivia, and I mean this is um, this is a fucking fairly bit of trivia note. Mm-hmm. Um. Kind of interesting because I kind of wanted to see how this would have went, but um, yeah. So originally the the studio that made the film uh, called Karolko or something. Mm-hmm. They hired Roman uh, Roland Emmerich, fresh from his low budget feature Moon Forty Four, and screenwriter Dean Devlin to work on another project, an action sci fi horror, Isobar, which would star Sylvester Stallone and Kim Basinger. And it would take place in the future on high-speed runaway trains where genetically created monsters get loose and attack the passengers. What? Emmerich was second director involved in the project after Ridley Scott gave up from it due to disagreements he had with Kuroko and the producer Joe Silver. <laughs> and Emmerich and Devlin then ended up having the same problems with them, with a lack of freedom on the project, and Silver rejecting Devlin's rewrite of the original script. Aye. And insisting on using one of the screenwriters the movie which would have had a 90 million dollar budget was oh. then cancelled by Kuroko and instead they hired Emmerich and Devlin to rewrite the script for Universal Soldier Jesus that's not like some fucking film I know genetic creatures I know. on a fucking I know fucking train with Stallone I suppose Stallone in the early 90s it would have been a big budget because he was obviously big exactly at the time aye Fresh out uh, Tango and Cash. I know. Fuck. Shall we go over to Unforgiven then? Yeah, I. Okay, so, Unforgiven, 1992. I keep wanting to say 91. <laughs> uh, director Clint Eastwood. Film stars, honestly. Clint Eastwood is William Money. Gene Hackman is Little Bill. Morgan Freeman as Ned Logan. Richard Harris as English Bob. Uh, Jamie Woolsvet as the Showfield Kid. Saul Rubnick as W.W. Bichon. Uh, Francis Fisher as Strawberry Alice. And a whole bunch of other folk. Right. The story is a retired old, old West gunslinger, William Money, reluctantly takes on one last job with the help of his old pal and a young man. Alright. That's like your IMDB plot in a tweet. Um, But aye. When I see fucking Clint Eastwood is just like this old farmer. He's got his bairns. He like married a woman. She died young. Leaving him to raise the two children. They're like nay older than like ten. Uh, and this boy shows up at his door one day saying, nah, there's a good bounty going. This hooker got slashed up by a couple of cowboys and they're paying a thousand pounds to the men that kill the cowboys. And fucking Clint Eastwood's like, right, see you later, kids. That's way his name is Money. <laughs> money, money, money. And it, honestly, these children are like, like nailed than <laughs> 10 years old. And he says to the, old, like, the boy, you look after your sister and like kill a chicken if you have to. And if he's a struggling, go to the neighbours. Like you fucking 
got out of retirement for a wee bit of money. Yeah. And the film opens with this hooker getting fucking uh, slashed up by a by a fucking cowboy. And, I mean, he does. He fucking does a number on her face. Just, like, but what looks like a dozen cuts. And, you'll, like, he just, like, the dude saw red. Fucking lost his temper where. And all wondered, what happened? What happened? Did he bite her? And it's like, she laughed because he had a small pecker. So he just pulled out a fucking knife and just started slashing her face. And of course, the, the all the fucking prostitutes in this in this wee whorehouse, which they, they cry uh, they go for a game of billiards. That, that's the code. All right. So it was like, 75 quid for a game of billiards? What the fuck are you on about? Uh, <laughs> it was like one of the jokes for the start. Uh, so all the prostitutes put the money together and said, right, here's a thousand pounds. We'll give it to the people that kill the guys that done this to our girl. And the way they get the word out is every person they shag, they tell that note to. It's like, once I fa- finish having sex, right, you tell, you find anyone that wants a thousand pounds, they need to kill these folk. And so, boys are like, man, that message will spread fast. Fucking south of Texas will kind of be that by now. And, and the, the story's grown like arms and legs. Like by the time Clint Eastwood hears about the Showfield kids, He's saying that. He's like, they cut her eyes, they cut her face, and they cut off her tits. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says, they cut off her tits. Like it's a fucking sow. <laughs> um, so I, he teams up with fucking Morgan Freeman, who's like his old partner for back in the day. So the th- Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, and that dude, the Showfield kids, who's... He's like a young kid, like what in the bounty, but he's short sighted, so he kind of shoot for shit. He uh, kind of see that. He can only yeah. see what's in front of him. He's got knee, knee fucking yeah. distance. So that's why they all need each other. Alright, So I'm, I'm guessing this is probably a first time watch for you. It was. I, I was surprised. Like sometimes you start watching it and you think, ah, no, I might this feel when I was a kid, but you just didn't remember what it was you were yeah. watching. But no, I have never seen this film before. <laughs> I remember my dad and my gran had this film. Aye. One video, but I never ever. I think when I was a kid, like westerns, weren't they really that big on my list? Aye, exactly. It's, it, it didn't stand out as like futuristic sci-fi, martial arts, uh, yeah. action, fucking guns, blazing. Like it's a western, so it's. And this is a particularly like a slower western. Aye. This isn't like Magnificent Seven having like fucking gunfights every ten minutes. Aye. Like. I'm assuming the runtime on it's pretty long. Two hours ten, but oh, I think it's mere mere like two, just over two hours because it looked like there was like a long credit sequence at the end. Ah. Um. So you've, so I'm you're no, saying I'm, you've I'm, never I'm, seen it? Never seen it either. Oh, okay. And to be honest, it is a decent film. Aye. I would definitely recommend it to folk. It does get good, but it is. It's a slow burn. Two hours. Yeah. And I don't think you actually see your first fucking gunfight until about an hour and a half in. Ah. So there's a lot of story being built yeah. up. And they, they bring in a lot of characters. And you think the film really falls onto the shoulders of a fucking like Will, Mon- Will Money and Ned yeah. and the kids. But it all kind of falls in on the town where it's got Gene Hackman's character, Little Bill. Uh, like to be honest I'll say it now Gene Hackman steals this film oh, he it? plays a utter cunt and he does it brilliantly uh, he's he's like the sheriff of the town and when they find that like, they capture the two cowboys that do this 
And of course, the fucking prostitutes are wanting justice. Aye. They get the whip out and get the fucking belt. Is it right? Fucking start tearing those boys up. Look what they did to her face. It's only right that they get the same. And Bill's like a fucking businessman. Is it right? You cowboys. You gee, uh, the boy that the boy that runs the bar. What's his name? It is uh, Skinny. Skinny runs the bar that has the whorehouse on like, on the upper level. And so you give Skinny five horses. And five horses for the guy that cut her and his accomplice. You give us two horses. Yeah. And it was like, what? And, and you're letting him away with it. He just does like this business deal. And he said, right, all's fine. If And they're like fucking dead against anyone coming into their town. And and all over the town, the town's cried Big Whiskey. That's uh-huh. the name of this fucking town. And it's only got one rule. It's no guns. Uh-huh. Didn't they want any guns in this town? And if they find out somebody comes to their town, they'll go and ask them for their guns. And if they put up a fight, they fucking deck them. And it's it's fucking brutal. Because one of the first stories you hear is of a, like, oh, English Bill. Like you, you get the impression, ah, oh, this is our hero. And the dude that played him, Richard Harris. Yeah. I didn't think I really who it was. And then one of the guys at my work today educated me, saying that's fucking uh, Dumbledore for the Harry Potter films. Yeah, and he was in Gladiator as well, playing yes. uh, Russell Crowe's. I, on his uh, IMD top four, that was his number one. It was Gladiator. Mm. Um, so he comes in and he's got that that uh, Saul Rubnik. He's following him. English Bill is also like a some sort of famous gunslinger from England, let's say. Yeah. And his pal following him. Uh, Saul Rubnik's character, W.W. Bichon, is a biographer. So he's following him, documenting his tales and writing novels. Uh. This boy. Ah, oh, fucking yes. Ah, fucking yes. Ah, he's he's one of those fists. Uh, so he's following English Bill. Uh, sorry, English Bob, around, and you when they, you first see them on the train, there's like these Americans and talking, saying about like a president's been shot and he's in uh, a critical state, and of course English Bob kind of makes a joke saying, "Well, fucking Americans, eh?" And he said, "Right, you want to put your money where your mouth is," so they go. Out, Agreed to shoot ten geese, and they're on this moving train. So of course, like fucking, you get a dollar for every every goose you shoot, and it just cuts to fucking English Bob collecting like eight dollars, and the other guy getting one dollar out of it. And so it just shows you like Bob schooled him. Like this is the talented gunslinger who's yeah. going to big whiskey, and of course when he meets Bill, he's hesitant. He doesn't want to give his guns over. So all the sheriffs in town fucking surround English Bob and just fucking beat beat the shit out of him. Like, so bad that fucking uh, Bouchon fucking pisses himself because he's that fucking scared about what's going on. And because they all look at him thinking he's a gunslinger as well, but he was reaching in his bag for his books. Yeah. So they get flung in jail and you just see fucking English Bob just lying a cake in blood. And Little Bill is the nickname they've got for Gene Hackman's character and he's just walking around the prison cell telling stories like fucking English Bob says he's done this or done that he just happened to be there he's done fucking nothing because yeah. he's reading all the stories that Bouchamp's written about him and it's called uh, The Duke like the Duke does this the Duke does that and fucking little Bill's sitting deliberately saying The Duck he's like no it's Duke he's like The Duck huh. and he's reading about telling all the stories like, like just seeing how they're all inaccurate and it gets that bad where the next day they send fucking 
English Bob out of town. They've turned his gun and they've twisted the barrel around so he can't fucking use it again and sent him on his way. Bouchamp's like that fucking taken with little Bill. He decides to stay and start writing his stories down. So, and you can tell it's like a total ego boost for like Gene Hackman's character because of this guy and he's like, and then I done this and I done that and he said that to me and I done this to him and he's sitting writing it all through like fucking it. And a few was oh, this is great. And he's fucking writing all these novels for him. And by this time, you've got I feel like it's almost like an hour in and this is when Clint Eastwood, uh, Morgan Freeman and the Schofield kid show up in town but they've been through fucking, like they were in like Kansas and had to come down to Big Whiskey so they went through like a rainstorm and they're all sitting sharing this one bottle of whiskey and by the time they get to town Clint Eastwood's in bad shape, eh? he's gotten like a fever for being caught in the rain and guzzling a fucking bottle of whiskey so what may look like he's got a fever and he's just got a fucking rotten hangover. So by the time they get to the bar, he's sitting there shivering. Gene Hackman comes in and look, looks at him. He's like, you got any guns on you? I'm like, no, sir, just travelling through. He's like, all right. So if I called you like an ugly little bitch, you and he reach in and pull a gun out of your pocket. And he's like, if I had a gun, I would have pulled it out if you cried that, like if you said that to me. So what about your pals up there? And it's quite funny. They get to the bar. Clint Eastwood's in bad shape. Eh? He's sitting there. They give him like a wee bottle of whiskey. Uh, a wee, uh, wee glass of whiskey and he's looking at it like I oh, you want it and fucking Morgan Freeman and the Schofield kid's like uh, do you mind if we go up and have a game of billiards <laughs> and they go upstairs and they work to a deal with a prostitute saying right we'll kill the cowboys could we get a freebie in the meantime <laughs> so <laughs> cut to all the fucking uh, the sheriff and his gang are kicking lumps uh, fucking Clint Eastwood because they found his gun and the prostitutes have fucking told Morgan Freeman and the kids, so they're in their fucking long johns, putting their fucking cowboy boots on, rolling out the window, trying to get away. And oh, they just, like, go retreat in the hills. And they kind of play it safe for there. They know that it's, it's like Little Bill's town. Um, um, so, like, obviously, because they're going after these, um, like, cowboys that, like, slashed up the hooker at the start, oh, are they the main... Like the main like bad guys or is that? It's Gene Hackman. Is it? Aye, like those boys that done that kind of are like Gene Hackman's boys, pretty much. No, really, they they just happen to be like a couple Aye. of cowboys that yeah. just lost their temper, but they weren't part like the sheriff's crew. They were just yeah, random was, cowboys, uh, but they kind of find them halfway through the film, and then manage to work out something. They they manage to kill one of the two, then the other one goes and hiding with the sheriff. Aye. So. That's like that's about like an hour and a half in when they killed the first one, and they, they do it slowly. Like they, they, it, it's 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 strange. There's nothing heroic about it. Like they're sat perched on a hill, and they find the the cowboys doing ranch work. Like they find a horse and they're getting ready to brand it, and they fucking shoot them, and like all the boys take cover. And between Clint Eastwood, who is a bad shot with a rifle. The, the, the Schofield kid, who's uh, short-sighted, and then fucking Morgan Freeman takes one shot, then realises he's not got the stomach to fire a gun anymore. Because yeah. it's just, it got real all of a sudden, and they're all saying, and all they hear is, like, the kid they shot just going, ah, oh, ah, oh, fuck, ah, oh, they got me, ah. Oh. And he's, like, he's slowly dying, and fucking Clint Eastwood tries to take a shot with a rifle, and he's complaining, like, can he do it? Misses the first shot, misses the second shot, third shot hits him in the gut. So, of course, he's behind the rock now, and he's fucking greeting because he can see he's dying slowly. And they're all fucking beside themselves, thinking, 
fuck, this is grim. And you just hear him screaming to his fans like, I'm thirsty, man, give me, a, give me some water, please. And fucking Clint Eastwood's like, give him the water. He's like, I'm not fucking moving you, shoot me. He's like, no, no, we're not going to touch you. Because they're all fucking, they're all so upset that the fact they shot this boy uh. and he's dying painfully. So they go give him the water. And they just like let them away, but Morgan Freeman like gives up. Like he's like, nah, I've not got the stomach to fucking do this. Like you keep the money. I'll no interest in it. Let's just, I'm out of here. I'm just going to go back to Kansas. It's over. And that's where like the fucking big threat comes in because fucking um, Ned doesn't make it back to Kansas. Uh. Gene Hackman and his crew catch him first. And you've got like the fucking scene where they've caught the boy and they're sitting and whipping him for information. Like, they've tied him to, like, a jail cell and they've just got the whip and they're just tearing up his back. By this point, they've all kind of, like, Clint Eastwood and Showfield Kid thinks it's over. Like, Ned's away home. Like, the Showfield Kid's like, Ken, what, I'm I'm finished as well. It's no worth it. Let's just, let's just go. I can't, like, he kills a guy, like, a some dude sitting on a fucking toilet taking a shit. He fires three shots into him and he realises, there's no glory in this. I can't, like, I shot a man not taking a fucking shit. How, like, that doesn't make me a fucking any more a man than, than the dude I killed. Yeah. So he's like, I didn't want to do this either. And Clint Eastwood was like, go on, we'll start our job and we're going to finish it. And then they find out for like one of the prostitutes that they've gotten ahead of like Ned and they've whipped him and they've killed him. And they just, they put, they prop him up outside the bar in a coffin and just leave a message thinking, if you want to take on this town, this is what happens. And that's it. Fucking Clint Eastwood's raging uh, he just goes into town on his horse carrying a fucking I think he has the rifle but he hates it he's got like the Jofiel kid's pistol so he's only really got six shots and a shotgun and it just takes it to the bar and he fucking it's it's over quick because it's there's I think when you think of the western you think of big epic yeah. showdowns but it goes in the bar and he's, he, he plays it so fucking cool he goes like who owns this establishment who's the guy that runs the bar and he's like skinny and he fucking shoots the shotgun on Skinny. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Because like, Gene Hackman's there, all his men's there, and they're all pointing guns at him. And he's like, why the fuck did you just shoot an unarmed man? He said, well, the second he chose to fucking display my pal's body outside his establishment, like his days were numbered. So he goes to fire a second shot with a shotgun at Gene Hackman, and the fucking gun locks. Like, it jams. So they all fucking get ready to grab their guns and go fucking shoot Clint Eastwood. But he drops the shotgun, pulls out his pistol and manages to tag uh, Gene Hackman in the stomach. He drops and he uses like the remaining bullets and takes all the boys around him. And it's just done so fucking quick. Like, honestly, you're like, I'll, I'll re- rewound it like 30 seconds just to make sure it just happened like that. Because like, uh, holy fuck, he just wiped them out and won. But honestly, it it is... Well, it might not be action packed. Yeah. Like the fucking story to it and the payoff to it is really good, but fuck, Gene Hackman is a fucking despicable cunt in it. Uh, he is. He's a, he plays it so fucking well. That's what they're coming, actually. Oh, that's it. It's not. It's no widely available, like, streaming. I had to source it elsewhere, but I mean, it, it's one of these things that's. No, it's, I've always heard about it. Yeah. Like you've always heard folk talk about films like that and right. Tombstone and like it's all like as like the big westerns of like or the more recent years I mean outside of like the your like Sergio Leone yeah. and like all those big seventies westerns. 
That's more of the lessons that we, we, we kind of knew of when we were growing up. Yeah. Um, trivia for this film. Clinton Eastwood uh, had, a, had a statement when it came to the Oscars and they're saying this film had to put it to rest. Uh, his argument was the reason why he would never win an Oscar. He said, first, I'm not Jewish. <laughs> Secondly, I make too much money. And thirdly, and most importantly, because I don't give a fuck. And then that year they gave him two. So like, yeah. yeah. Shut your fuck. How do you like these apples, Clint? <laughs> when we give you four Oscars for your film. And of course, he, he's won plenty, uh, like, accolades since then. And, yeah. like, more Oscars as well. Like, with Million Dollar Baby. I think, got that, some. I think that got some. I can't remember. I think if Mystic River got him any. I don't know. But. I still haven't watched it yet either. Um, so, budget and box office. How much do you think? They had a, a modest I reckon, budget. I reckon the budget was probably between then and between 50 and 100. 14.4. Fifth. And I think it had like a short production. I think it was only like no more than 50 days and they all made their own sets and uh, it, it was the Old West and uh, it was really just one town. I reckon it probably made its money by high. I reckon it probably made about the 50 or 100 mark. Uh, domestic was 101. And foreign was 58. So I 159 worldwide. Yeah. So, and they're saying as of two, well, as of now, currently, this is still the last Western that Clint Eastwood has done. Because like, uh, obviously he done a whole rake of them back in the day. Yeah. And but I think that's his final Western. He's obviously not going to go back. Yeah. He must be fucking nearly kicking the bucket nearly. It must be in his like, late 80s. Oh, God, I Mid-80s, he's, maybe. He's definitely a fair age, because even... He was in this, he must have been... He looked fucking old, aye. And... Cause I'm trying to think, because Good and Bad and Ugly was in the late 60s, so that was 50 years ago. I reckon he was probably in his 30s there. Early 30s. Or 1930. So, so he's 80. 88. Yes, uh, 88 this year. Yeah, and I mean, like, he's still... Still working, eh? Yeah. Because what was this? Well, primarily directed, now you do. He's done that. Obviously done Sully in 2016, and it's the the fifteen seventeen to Paris. Oh, uh, yeah, she's the latest one, eh? Aye. That's not out yet, is it? Aye, is. Is it? Well, ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it's out here now, like it's out on DVD and that. Ah. Um, Oh, aye, released date February. I, I, I reckon why there's something about it. I always look at it and I think it's like a direct to DVD thing. I do, yeah. I do think Clint Eastwood when I see it. I think it's something else. Yeah, but I mean, like eighteenth still directing films. Aye, uh, like surely he's got somebody to wear, like showing him how to work. Like he probably doesn't even connect with the like click on the board anymore. <laughs> oh no, there's the obvious that does that yeah. for him. He just does like a raise the eyebrow and the kin. <laughs> For one-star reviews, out of 256, there was 12. And 10 of those were complaints about Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, and all that jazz. I don't think I'd got a Blu-ray release here. Uh, probably not, because some of the issues was people talking about it being the wrong region. So the two reviews, I've took little snippets, because these guys were a wee bit long-winded. First one. How this got so much praise, I don't know. Boring and stupid. Old actors trying to play tough guys is purely laughable. It is cringe-worthy at times. 
That's our first one. And second, if your idea of entertainment is to watch the dot 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 being kicked out of people with sickening realism, then you might enjoy this film. Alright, so I'm not happy with it. It's too real for the mic. Yeah. Too real. And if they want to see English Bob get his English knob kicked in. <laughs> Fucking Dumbledore getting his curb his, I was going get his curb stomped. <laughs> his pus stomped in. So aye. That is the tale of Unforgiven. Yeah. I'd come out and try and I definitely would definitely recommend it. Yeah. So what like about is how high is the rewatchability on it? I didn't get something I mean, I would watch it again. But it's probably like it's just something leaving it on in the background whilst yeah. you're doing something else. So when they like sit down and watch it, like no, this is all we're doing. We have to focus on this. Yeah. But I something if it already started, I would probably watch it because Gene Hackman, honestly, uh. he is. See if I can. He he lays it on thick, and he is such an evil prick. So I I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. Got a good guy. I just the fact that. The fucking comedy aspect of both uh, Morgan Freeman and Showfield Kid were using like the bounty was a thousand pounds as well. It's, it's it's a bit less than that now. And Clint Eastwood's like, how? Oh, well, uh, you and your your pal and that kid have been getting quite a lot of freebies in the whorehouse. <laughs> it's like they've been cashing in early. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's just in it for the pussy. Kind of like in real life. That's what we put it. <laughs> ah, you are, ah, yeah. Uh, Hashtag I mean, Ah, yeah. There's still, there's still really been anything brought to light about that. I know. And there's when that shit happens that you think when you find out if, when shit's going to go to court, if shit, yeah. uh, who knows? There was an article about last week or the week before about supposedly Stallone had been getting done for it as well. I've heard that happen. Like, fuck mentioned Stallone on I think it was like over the top or something like uh, back in those days, but there was definitely. And I mean, Schwarzenegger maybe maybe it was his maid. Exactly. Because as a kid, they just they realized that she couldn't really sue him for anything. Aye. So she'd be left with the burn. Exactly. Just get a big old backdating child support. Yeah. <laughs> um. Other than that, I guess we need to look forward to episode 188, where we step into 1993 with Jurassic Park. Yeah. So, yes, that's uh, what you can look forward to next week. Patreon.com forward slash FAS podcast if you want extended episodes. It'll cost you. Uh, Social media, FAS podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and the old Facebook. Shout outs to... Paul Loudon for the artwork, David Lopan for the theme music, Mags, Carol, Kenny and Stu for supporting Patreon, Magic Mike, thank you for joining me and thank you, the listener, yep. for downloading, tuning in and sticking out to the end. Yeah. Fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>